Welcome to the About Sex Podcast, where we discuss... Russian novelists. No. <laughs> Maybe a little Dostoevsky. <laughs> oh, no. Mostly, we can't talk about that. <laughs> mostly, we're going to talk about sex. My name is Josh, <laughs> and with me, as always, is my lovely wife, Angela Skirtu. Tell us who you are, Angela. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and an ASEC certified sex therapist. And today, our guest is actually an old supervisor of mine, Linda Weiner. Right. So here's a little bit about Linda. She is the co-director of the Institute for Sexual and Relationship Therapy and Training and was an adjunct professor at Brown School, Washington University in St. Louis. Um, she is a licensed social worker, a diplomat in clinical sec- social work, a certified diplomat in sexology, and also certified by the ASECT as a sex therapist supervisor and CE provider. Holy you do mackerel. everything. That is a lot. And she has a book. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what's, what's your book that you're, you're promoting today? It's called... Thank you. Uh, the book is called Sensate Focus and Sex Therapy, The Illustrated Manual. So yeah. it has pictures. Everybody likes pictures Ooh, when you're talking about sex. Are fun. So, yeah. <laughs> That's right. So you actually trained her yep. to be an ASECT certified therapist, correct? I was part of the process. Yeah. Yes. So you're the you're it's you're your fault. It's your fault that <laughs> no, she is no. the way she is. No, no, she was the way she is she long are, before we she met. She definitely that was. That is true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> when I first met her, I told her I was going to do like two things at the same time, and she thought it. You were like, "Oh, let's see if that's going to work out." It didn't. No. <laughs> We always like to bite off more than I we can eat. I always like to do way too much. It's kind of my style. Like, yes. yeah, we had that the fir- when we got our first apartment. We bought a car, moved into our apartment, and bought a bed, and bought a bed, and groceries, and groceries all in the same day uh-huh. when yes. we first got to Oregon. We did succeed, but my grandma said to us, "She was like, I want you to call me when you finished all of that in one day." We were so tired. <laughs> Some people are underly ambitious. Yeah. That was never Angela. That is never problem. Angela. No. no. She's no. like doing speaking I'm a crazy stuff person. and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she so is. Um, so let's get into your book a little bit. Um okay. Sensate Focus. Why don't you tell us what Sensate Focus is? All righty, sure. So Sensate Focus is basically a touching uh, strategy mm-hmm. that's use, used for individuals or couples who have either disconnected from their own body, mm-hmm. maybe a sexual trauma of some sort. Uh, and uh, or they've disconnected from their partner, or they have a sexual difficulty. Mm-hmm. For any of these reasons, sensate focus, which is touching with no particular focus, basically a mindfulness practice using mm-hmm. sensual touch rather than uh, an auditory uh, trigger like an uh, like a uh, an ohm, or mm-hmm. rather than a visual like a pin of light. Mm-hmm. It's uh, mindfulness practice using touch. Mm-hmm. That is conducted for no particular purpose, not to like it, not to turn yourself on, not to turn your the partner on. The goal is on. not sex. The goal is to just feel. The goal is, first you have to be in your body yeah. and experiencing mm-hmm. your sensations mm-hmm. to allow the body to ultimately turn on and for sexual response to happen. But mm-hmm. you don't start there. You just start with whatever is, whatever yeah. you feel. So right. let me ask you, I'll demonstrate how it's done. Okay. So. I'm the I'm the guinea He's pig. He's the guinea pig. He Everybody always is. Always is. Okay. Yeah. So Josh, I'm going to ask you to touch the table with your hand and tell me what it is that you experience as far as, is it uh, uh, hot or cool? It's cold because there's metal here, the oh, brass. All right. Yeah. Is it uh, firm or soft? Firm. 
Okay, is it turning you on or not? No. Excellent. <laughs> the then first... we have another problem to deal with. <laughs> no, I, I haven't had right. sex with furniture Tables in a long time. A long time. Okay, good. Thank I'm you, honey. Thank you for getting that over was, that. That was sort of taking a risk, wasn't it? There? <laughs> yeah. I just it met was. Josh. <laughs> so, you never know. Love it. <laughs> so, Josh, that's the idea: uh-huh. is just to touch for whatever it feels like, without mm-hmm. evaluating it, without trying to make something happen. Because mm-hmm. often people who have had uh, difficulties disconnecting from their partner or themselves. They have expectations. I'm supposed to like it. It's supposed to feel good. I'm supposed to get turned on. I'm supposed to get an erection. And all of that should stuff Mm -hmm. creates so much anxiety and pressure that what happens is people just freak out and they don't, they aren't physical with themselves or with mm-hmm. someone else. And they're not enjoying it because they're overthinking Well, they can't it. even get to enjoying it. Yeah. They don't even do they it. Don't, yes, they avoid exactly <laughs> right. See what a sex... I taught her right. She got that right away. She nailed it. Okay. <laughs> I'm always excited when they actually do sensate focus because mm-hmm. even people will be so avoidant that sometimes like you'll give them that exercise and uh-huh. they'll be like, no, I can't. Uh-huh. So yeah. when they do, I'm like, you're already better than like 30% of my population. Yes, yes. <laughs> Even though they do it at the end of the week and they only do it once. And right before they're going to see right you. Right before they're... It's okay. <laughs> right. Okay. That is Wait, okay. that's how you do everything. You procrastinate and do it at the yes. last minute. Yeah. That's how Josh does it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now I, I excel at procrastination eventually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you know, no one actually knows why people procrastinate, but that's a theme uh, for another show. Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking about that. Why, uh, why do people procrastinate? Yeah. I think it's just anxiety, you know? People are afraid. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Sensate Focus, it's definitely because they have spent, you know, much time avoiding something that mm-hmm. instead of uh, being together with their partner and feeling good about the interchange, they wind up being disappointed and mm-hmm. angry and guilty and hurt. So why would you want to do something that's going to make you feel bad about yourself and have bad feelings between you and a partner? Mm-hmm. So that right. is why people avoid sensate focus touching, even when you give them the suggestion. But when they finally do it, Angela, what do they say? It was nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They enjoy Usually it. they say it's nice. Some of my clients mm-hmm. keep it as a part of their foreplay. Not always, but mm-hmm. like it can be one of the many types of foreplay they can use. Yeah. Because uh-huh. um, it's just a way to warm up your body, really. Right. right. <laughs> and, you know, D, uh, if you have some kind of sexual contact with your partner less than once a week, it gets to feeling weird. So the weirder mm-hmm. it feels, the mm-hmm. less you're likely to do it. So if you say, hey, let's just do some touching, the sensate focus touching. Right. Uh, and that puts some safe parameters around it, not like, hey, let's just kiss on the couch without saying, and that's it. Right. Sensate Focus basically says, I need a warm-up to connect emotionally to my body mm-hmm. and to you and not to feel pressure. Right, and, there's you know, no pressure or, or expectation yeah. of sexual And you sexual don't have contact. to have sex at the end Absolutely. of it? Absolutely. And by the second or third time, usually you're wanting to have sex. Sure. And that's mm-hmm. usually what both people want is yeah. they want, unless they're playing a role play, which... There's a not want. Most people are. <laughs> no, I don't want it. No. Don't touch him. No, Angela, I'm not wanting it. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. No, he wants it all the time. He's insatiable. Okay. <laughs> That's how I roll. No, it's true. And I, I've definitely seen um, like people kind of use it as a part of their sex life. But the big debate is, should we have sex? Should we not have sex afterwards? What do you mm-hmm. usually tell clients? So what I tell them is initially when they're first getting started, I'll ask, you know, how long has it been since you've been affectionate with each other and were you ever affectionate? And they'd say, oh, I used to be affectionate all the time, but since I don't want to be sexual, then I feel guilty being affectionate because then he or she pressures me or I feel Mm -hmm. guilty because we should do more, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So initially when I give people sensate focus and it's been a while, 
I'm really, really clear. I don't want you to do anything after Sensate Focus. Just hang out for a little bit, write down some notes on your, the experience, mm-hmm. and then do whatever. And if the partner needs release or you need release, just do that separately for a time or two. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to breasts and genitals included in the touching, which it does starts out with no breasts and genitals. Right. Mm-hmm. And then once they sort of get into the groove of touching for self, focusing on sensations and bringing yourself back from distractions, because mm-hmm. that's a big problem for a lot of people. The head is real mm-hmm. busy. So uh, about that time when we add breasts and genitals, people are getting kind of aroused. And so I'll say, after the sensate focus, if you feel like doing something, have a cup of tea and then do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and any other time, except for the sensate focus, do whatever you want, but don't expect anything to change until we build the foundation, build the house. Right. Hmm. So, so that's what I say. Why do people generally come into sex therapy and what help what what does sensate focus help? Like what diagnoses are so people uh, come into sex therapy because A, they only have a sexual problem, or B, they have a relationship problem like communication or mm-hmm. uh, power struggles. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, an affair, some of that kind of background. Uh, oh, yeah, that makes for background. a terrible sex life. <laughs> well, no, actually. Well, actually, it's, it's, it sparks up No, I know, a, we talked about uh, that. Erotic yeah. the, uh-huh. the, energy the guarding. I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you. Uh-huh. It's quite passionate. It's, it's that guarding sex. It's like, yeah. I'm going to take you back. Yeah. 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 Marking uh, your territory exactly. sex is what I call I called dibs. <laughs> I'm going to put it in. <laughs> so, in terms of uh, the kinds of sexual difficulties, so it could be a relationship problem, it could be a sexual problem, it could be both. Often mm-hmm. one leads to the other wherever you start. If you start with a problem in the bedroom, it can lead to a problem sexually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, in the living room. If you start right. with a problem in the living room, it can lead to a problem in the bedroom. So right. I work with both. But many people try to resolve the problem, a sexual problem, like low desire or no desire, mm-hmm. Uh, by going to relationship counseling with a relationship or marital specialist. And that works well for a lot of the -the out-of-the-bedroom problems. uh, And sometimes the sexual problem heals itself. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, couples come to me and say, I've been in really good relationship counseling, Mm -hmm. and we are communicating better, we're fighting fairly, we're spending quality time together, we got each other's love language down. Mm -hmm. But sex is still a problem. It could be a lack of desire. It it's because be. the couples therapists don't ever address sex directly. But, right. You know, there's a lot of people nervous are, energy around exactly. it. People are very uncomfortable talking about sex. Absolutely. Like, I really don't talk about this podcast with any of my friends because mm-hmm. it's like people are, anytime I bring it up at all, people are just like, Oh, sex. sex. That's a word that we don't <laughs> use. Like, like some people even see the word masturbation as a bad mm-hmm. word. Oh, oh yeah, you oh, got in like, trouble once. Well, <laughs> I did not get in trouble. I was like, whatever. I'll, I won't say it around your kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was dumb. That's right. So yes, um, it's it's odd idea that a marital therapist or a relationship therapist would not be trained in or comfortable with sex necessarily. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a big part of marriage. It is a big part, and one helps the other, because what's interesting is when couples start the sensate focus, uh, what they say is, we might be working a little bit on the relationship issues, but what they say is that doing the touch actually accelerates the positive feelings they have for mm-hmm. one another, <laughs> which helps with all aspects of the relationship, not just the sexual piece. So yeah. you can be great at talking to each other, but still not feel... 
<coughs> any connection. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can be yeah. friends. You can be friends. Pretty yeah. much. A lot of people yeah. that come say that they have a wonderful roommate <laughs> yeah. relationship yeah. and that what yeah. they want is they want sex in their relationship. They right. want, they want passion that passionate back. back. Honestly, Absolutely. even the people who come in who say they are really good friends, when we get down to the root of it, like they're good at co-working with mm-hmm. each other. Like they're good at doing the parenting mm-hmm. together. They're good at getting the household stuff done. But when we get to like actual intimacy and friendship, like how much do you like each other? How much do you actually spend time together and, and laugh together? Like you'll realize that the two kind of stay connected, mm-hmm. the sex and the relationship. Mm-hmm. And when one's off, the other can really be thrown off mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And as you say, Angela, many times they're good at, say, parenting. They're mm-hmm. really good at co-parenting. They cooperate with one another. They're good with relatives. Yeah. They're good creating a social life mm-hmm. with their friends. But mm-hmm. when it comes to intimate time together, even a date, yeah, that's just the two of them. Or in a poly relationship, the more of them. All seven of them. <laughs> Multiples. Yeah. Um, you know, that they're not very good at planning. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. So you actually have an interesting last name. How do you yes. pronounce it? Well, uh, growing up, it was Linda Weiner. Uh-huh. And then when I went off to college, I immediately changed the pronunciation to Weiner. Weiner. Because mm-hmm. I think that probably has a lot to do with my career choice is mm-hmm. my last name because very early... I got the Oscar Mayer Wiener jingle with mm-hmm. all kinds of sexual connotations, right. and I got over the embarrassment about talking about wieners very, very <laughs> early. Because I'm sure it came up life. a lot. What's a wiener? <laughs> <laughs> so you guys it. know it's a penis. <laughs> oh. oh, I yeah. thought it was Just a hot dog. Just for those people who didn't know. <laughs> oh, hot dog. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you getting teased about it, you think helped you kind of oh, get yeah. interested in sex therapy? Oh, yeah. That's one That's one thing. I think the other thing was uh, growing up in a uh, double standard uh, uh, time period in history, mm-hmm. uh, a double standard between men and women and uh, what they could experiment with as teenagers. Right. I always thought that was terribly unfair that I was supposed to be all buttoned up uh, when... Uh, male counterparts were supposed to be just the opposite, you mm-hmm. know. And so I always thought. So who that were they supposed to be having sex with? <laughs> the same. If you read the Kinsey in the statistics, it must have been the same bad girl, mm. because all the guys said they had experience prior to uh, uh, being with a permanent partner, mm-hmm. uh, and hardly any women uh, of that age agreed. So it must have been like 80 guys standing around the block of the bad girl's house <laughs> if the statistics are to be true. Well, okay. I didn't know that girl. Okay. <laughs> oh, you did not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew those guys uh-huh. too. <laughs> really, really people just lie when they're Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's of kind course. of a thing about sex, right, is that people often say one thing, but their actions say something completely mm-hmm. different. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. It wasn't until recently that men acknowledged that they have low desire or no desire also. Sure, Initially, mm-hmm. I never saw anyone come in with the presentation uh, of a, uh, a male uh, partner, whether gay or straight mm-hmm. uh, or or bi, say anything about that. And that has changed quite yeah. a bit. But getting back to my, my historical reasons, I think, that <laughs> contributed to being a sex therapist. So we had the, the, the last name. Then mm-hmm. we had the double standard thing. Yeah. And then we had the sexual revolution 
ju- and the pill just mm-hmm. as I was heading off to college. Oh, so the pill was very important. For oh that. my gosh, yeah, you could actually have sex for fun. You yeah. could actually, ha- and and women <laughs> I don't know could what have sex did just before that for the pleasure of it. Think mm-hmm. about that, not just because it was a wifely duty or mm-hmm. for reproduction, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. so it was a very uh, amazing time mm-hmm. uh, and a transitional time. So I think that had something to do with it. And then on a personal note, I had a, a, a you know, my very first love uh, had a sexual difficulty. And mm. so right about that time, Masters and Johnson came out with their book, Human Sexual Inadequacy, and I read the thing cover to cover. Hmm. I kicked awesome. him to the curb, however, because you can't heal yourself when no. you're 17 no. or 18. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it was uh, another one of those, I think, life forces. And then... Yeah. Weirdly, I wound up in St. Louis uh, for my postgraduate education, and Masters and Johnson was here in St. Louis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And across my desk came a proposal for them to start a new program at Masters and Johnson Institute. And I thought, what the heck? So I applied and got an interview, and I joined them as co director of their uh, child sexual abuse treatment program. Wow. I got uh, the six-month postgraduate education where I went every day and heard cases and listened to live cases and had lectures, and it was amazing. And that's where I met my co-author, Dr. Constance Avery Clark, co-author of our book together. Mm -hmm. And um, what was, uh, then I was hired, I worked there five years until, uh, you know, working seven days a week became... Less than fun. Yeah. And then I started <laughs> private <exhausting>. practice. Yeah. <laughs> in 88. So, so did you work with Masters and Johnson? I did. You did. Uh-huh. She actually met those people. What were they like? <laughs> like, I, I, uh, we actually we watched, watched the show, Masters the TV okay. show. Okay. But right. I'm sure. And I don't know how close it is mm-hmm. to the real Have story or not. Have you watched the show at all? Watched I've watched the show, yes. Is it close uh-huh. to them? Not really. Not at all. Oh, no, no, they've totally fictional. gone on bunny nah, trails. <laughs> it's a fiction. It's a historical fiction. It's a fiction. fictionalized version, yeah. you know. Okay. Uh, I think se- uh, the season one, Masters, was depicted more like he actually was. I only liked season one. Mm-hmm. After that, it kind of yeah, went off rails. Yeah, because he was very felt. socially awkward, and yeah. she was kind of like Like, he changed a lot in the second and third they season. They did change him a lot. Yeah, well, they got to make him sexy and appealing, right? No. Yeah. So, <laughs> for people to keep watching. Really just it dramatic didn't real to me, so I stopped watching. Right, yeah. right. So, yeah, the, the, they were, but some of the information in the first season particularly was accurate about mm-hmm. the laboratory uh, experiments they did to find out how does the human body actually work right. mm-hmm. when we're sexually aroused. You know, uh, they they got couples to, uh, and this is where Virginia Johnson played a very important role. She had this loquacious way about her and this melodious voice, and she mm-hmm. could she could charm the tre- you know the birds out of the trees, and she would get <laughs> all of these uh, 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 physicians in training to volunteer in the lab for science. For science. <laughs> <laughs> she was great at talking to the women as well about, you know, making science for, you know, women's good and so on. Right. So, so there, it took uh, over a thousand uh, uh, experiments in the lab of people. Right. And it was strangers at first, right? Or there and, were individuals. And so people listening, to clarify, the experiments were people having sex. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. they were monitoring. With themselves or yep. a machine mm-hmm. or with a partner mm-hmm. that they didn't know or a partner that they did know. Yeah. And there were lesbian couples and there were straight couples. I don't mm-hmm. think they knew a, what a bisexual was at, at that time. No. And so people who identified as straight or 
are gay and right. lesbian. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting because before that we didn't know like what triggers an orgasm and yeah. what you know how many contractions is average and uh, what triggers an orgasm. Yeah, we want to hear oh, all these answers. Wow. What trigger? Okay, <laughs> yeah. you, for women, take us on a line. For women. Okay, well, mostly it's clitoral stimulation. Mm-hmm. However, that's achieved whether uh, you know vibrator, hands, uh, uh, lips, uh, tongue rubbing up against an object, a vibrator, uh, pretty much uh, it is uh, triggered by the clitoris, and no one really knew that before. Yeah. Like Freud said, there were two kinds of orgasm, uh, orgasm that was clitorally uh, induced, and the second kind, that was what real women had. Real women had vaginal orgasms. Right, which is <laughs> a lot of work. Vaginal. It's a lot of work, and actually some women are just not capable. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so, quite a few, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's very uncommon. <laughs> it requires adjunct stimulation of the clitoris some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. But mm-hmm. in general, for an orgasm to occur, it takes stimulation that is working, and mm-hmm. if it's not working, the person moves into some other position or makes a suggestion mm-hmm. and it takes stimulation from more than one place at the same time and then something novel happens and that triggers orgasm so something the pace novel. might change or yeah. an utterance might happen so you don't want to or, keep it the same you want to mix it up a bit uh yeah. Well, yeah i mean most people figure out what works for them but they can play around the edges of yeah. other things and create more stimulation because the novelty is important too yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say that in general in sex is that the way, like when people mm-hmm. come in and they are still having sex, they'll still kind of be annoyed by it if it's routine, if they mm-hmm. haven't changed it up at all. Mm-hmm. But it's surprising how many people just fall into this like, oh yeah, it's ABC. We mm-hmm. do these things, there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm always asking, you know, like, have you ever... I don't know. Have you ever tried going in a different order, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like slowing it down? Sensate focus is always a helpful way to shake it up too, but it's just surprising. Like people, I don't know, they're missing out on really good sex. So they would do, (laughs) they'll do like, they'll make out for five minutes Mm -hmm. and then they'll do a little bit of oral sex for five minutes and then they'll go right into penetration. Penetration. He'll come, maybe she will, maybe she won't. Then she'll roll over and grab a vibrator and finish herself up. You got it. Yeah. Did you know that That gets boring. (laughs) Did you know that the 11th commandment uh, has never been written down and that commandment is once the penis goes in the vagina or the anus, Mm -hmm. it can't come out again until there's an orgasm. Oh. That's the 11th commandment. For the female side? Both. Both. I mean, it could be gay, gay men, you know, yeah. with anal. You know, that sure. there's a thing about the mixing it up idea, you know, mm-hmm. starting and stopping and doing other things uh, is pretty important mm-hmm. to create enough bubbling, mm-hmm. shall we say. Bubbly. Yeah, like you could actually remove the penis and, mm-hmm. I don't know, do something else. Do something else, make out <laughs> make for a out. while, you know, Oral play sex. with the breasts. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? What? You speak for past hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, in your career, have you ever had very interesting and very interesting cases that you're able to talk about? I've had a lot of very interesting cases, but probably that's an area that I'll decline because sure. people like to know that it's confidential. No, one hundred percent. Yeah. I gave an interview once and mentioned something, and it was on television, and my client said. Was that me you were referencing? Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh. <laughs> I think even without names and so right. on, it, it probably is not the best idea. But I can sure. tell you uh, a story or two. Uh, one of them I, I find very amusing. It was a couple that came in while I was um, at Masters and Johnson. And at Masters and Johnson, a female therapist and a male therapist together would do the, the, the counseling. Mm-hmm. 
And so I was in with Bill Masters, and he said uh, there was a couple that had not uh, been able to have intercourse. They were married for seven years. They were not able to have intercourse uh, because uh, she had uh, uh, an involuntary response that closed off a third of, you know, the first third of her vagina mm-hmm. uh, that she wasn't aware of, a vaginismus, and it's mm-hmm. a it's a, a response like. Uh, batting your eyelashes when fuzz comes by. Right. And he had some uh, uh, erectile difficulties. And so through Sensate Focus, got him calm, got him connected, got him in the zone, the mindfulness zone. He was able to learn how to have an erection again. She was able to learn how to allow intercourse to take place. They had insertion, penis and vagina. They came in. They were all excited. This was great, Dr. Masters. Mrs. Weiner, this was great. They came in the second day. Uh, master said, how'd it go? It was fine. They came in the third day. It was fine. We did it again. It was fine. Master said, what did you do when you got the penis in the vagina? And they said, nothing. You didn't tell us to do anything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> they just oh. put it in and left it there? Yeah. So <laughs> oh. we have certain I think they actually mentioned that on the show. Actually. Yeah. On the TV show. Uh-huh. That case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, literally, you just, think it's natural, but it isn't entirely natural. No, you mm-hmm. have to be taught how to have sex, yeah. or at least yeah. given hints. Not even like taught when I was how kid, to have good sex, but just taught some major things about having sex. Right. Yeah. Like when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I didn't know how to masturbate. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do you mean that? Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, you just grab it and kind of jerk it around. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll be back in a minute. (laughs) Did that work for you? It did. Okay, good advice. He's learned. learned. Good advice. Well, no, it's yeah. true. And I think the same, you know, it's for everyone, you know, you have to learn how to masturbate. A lot of times they'll say for women to learn to orgasm, mm-hmm. it's good for them to learn to orgasm mm-hmm. on their own first. Um, but a lot of women are discouraged from masturbating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a culture that um, pretty much if you're a good woman, now it isn't as severe as my mother's generation or the generation before where removal of the clitoris for good women was the number one voluntary surgery in America and in Great Britain. When uh, was that? Uh, turn of the century, the nineteenth, early nineteenth century. Or, Removal of the clitoris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good women who felt thought, aroused or orgasm during sex would have their clitoris removed in the hopes that they would. And so uh, the way it was is that women were prepared to be good wives by laying there mm-hmm. and allowing sex to happen, and a good husband would get it over with as quickly as possible. Also, this was a time when uh, uh, prostitution uh, and child prostitution flourished in the United States uh, during this period of especially good women time. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a very sex negative. Oh, I have another story. No. Okay. (laughs) So you know about how masturbation was deemed bad is there was a Swiss uh, physician who worked in a mental asylum in Mm -hmm. guess where? Switzerland. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, the Swiss. Always being She's in really Switzerland. She's really keeping me on the edge of my seat here every <laughs> time. Like, tell me more, it. Linda. So he knows <laughs> tell me more about physician. The it was like 1865, something like that. And this physician noticed that people in the, what they used to call the insane asylum, mm-hmm. uh, were would masturbate all the time. Mm-hmm. And well, what else are you going to do? Exactly. <laughs> it's a coping mechanism. Well, you and I get that, but this Swiss doctor, he thought. He's like, there's something wrong. He <laughs> thought that. Masturbation led to insanity. 
Uh, Correlation. And That's right. So, <laughs> well, I do feel insane sometimes, okay, so I think yeah. maybe there's some truth. Well, you know, masturbating gets rid of the Oh, yeah, you go a insane. bit cross-eyed. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so, silly. So, you know, that's the whole, you know, that's how parents then would say to their kids, you know, you'll grow hair on your hands if you masturbate, you'll go insane. You'll go blind. You'll go blind. Yeah. All of those were uh, based on this Swiss doctor's You'll make Jesus concern. cry. Yeah. Definitely yeah. makes Jesus cry. That yeah. one's true. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I never the, heard that the, one growing up. But the tears are great. Oh, they're so oh, delicious. They're great. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. So that was really terrible. I wasn't going to go guys. there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I'll allow it. No, but like the point is that like our culture really shames people out of their natural sex drives. Mm-hmm. It's kind and of a big they're deal. They're all based on just <laughs> random ideas from some guy in Swiss, Switzerland. Like, mm-hmm. why do we let people make these ideas and like just let it take over the culture? I don't understand that. Well, Bill Masters said something uh, that was very interesting. He said... Um, no man can actually match a woman for sexual responsivity. A man can have an orgasm. He's done for a while. A yep. woman can have an orgasm and an orgasm and, and another, an orgasm. And another. And so a lot of uh, history may be around the issue of trying to manage the fear of mm-hmm. female sexuality. Right. A lot of the repressive ideas about sex. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I don't. Uh, I don't know um, how long it'll be until we move f- permanently away from that. What I've seen in this uh, last thirty years is that there's cycles of more openness to mm-hmm. sexuality and pleasure, followed by a period of oh my gosh, we gotta put the genie back in the bottle. Right. Followed it's by too sexual. That's right. <laughs> I think they're trying to punch the genie down right now. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They're mm-hmm. building a wall around it. <laughs> so to speak <laughs> metaphorically and well, really well ask yourself this question even in sex education in the schools uh there's no talk of pleasure no in sex well, and at all my sex ed they only talked about disease yeah. that's it disease I they would and show pregnancy. me disgusting hygiene, photos of, of, yeah. of diseases and that's yeah. it uh-huh never and did they say oh this is the clitoris this is where pleasure is located in a woman <laughs> no if you notice there's never any there's the vagina Mm-hmm. There's the ovaries, mm-hmm. there's the uh, uh, uterus, but mm-hmm. the there's no clitoris. Yeah. So nope. strange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't know about it till I was an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, actually, <laughs> can we tell that story? Sure. It's so hilarious. So Josh and I did not wait for marriage, so mm-hmm. you guys know. <laughs> Who would think that? Who would right? think a sex therapist? But so we, the <laughs> night before we got married, his mother sat him down. What did she say to you, Josh? When I- <laughs> she was like, "Josh, I need you to know about the clitoris." <laughs> I'm like, wow. what the heck? I'm 25. How do you think I don't know it yet? Like, But I appreciate that she wanted you to know about the pleasure. But why wait that long? She, it was the night of his wedding. It was important that night. It's only important that like, night. So you know, you need to know about the clitoris, She's Josh, very conservative. You're going to make her very unhappy. They only see sex as a thing uh-huh. with marriage, so yeah. Yeah, oh, I which, love it. Which nobody ever has sex before marriage. He had found it long before that, but mm-hmm. it was very sweet. Oh, yeah, I found it. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. So I have another story uh, about the clitoris. More. Yeah. Fun. So uh, speaking about uh, ignorance about the clitoris and about the you know female body, uh, both for females and males. So uh, there was a, a gentleman uh, who was in therapy with us with his partner, and Dr. Master said, so sir, he was a, a, a neurosurgeon. 
Dr. Masters says, sir, do you know about your wife's clitoris? And he said, Dr. Masters, I can cut into someone's skull and palpate their brain and tell you everything about it. But my wife's clitoris is a complete mystery to me. <laughs> Maybe you should explore it a little bit. <laughs> That's interesting to me that it's somebody who's that educated, who's gone through medical school yes. and who's gone mm-hmm. through residencies and surgery has mm-hmm. never found the clitoris. Yeah, no, like, it, it has absolutely nothing in their, pretty much nothing in their training, yeah. physicians in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, some of the very some doctors are actually very conservative to the point like they won't know about like pelvic floor physical therapy. If a woman's struggling with sex, they'll suggest a glass of wine. Which I mean, sometimes I can. Wait, do people still they still suggest yes, that? to to this mm-hmm. day? Like, I have had clients come in and say get her my doctor suggested having a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that might help if she's having like. If there's a little nerves, sometimes people will drink a little glass of wine to loosen inhibitions, but it's not going to change it if you have painful intercourse. Well, I mean, it is a muscle relaxant. So if the muscles are contracting and that's what's causing it, like vaginismus, it might actually help. Mm -hmm. I don't know. No. No? Have they done research on it? We'll have to do you a lot of, uh, we'll have to give you a lot of education I've never dealt with vaginismus (laughs) at all. Well, that's good. But I mean, it is a muscle relaxer, I bet. Right. Except that you got to know, actually, they do use uh, 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 a... Valium tablet. Mm-hmm. I don't diazepam. I guess mm-hmm. would be the. Uh, sometimes there are sexual medicine physicians who do use that tablet Does right at the entrance to the vagina, and some women report that it helps. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is. You're not too far off, but right. you're in the wrong. Right. You're in the wrong. You you're in the no doctor should prescribe system. alcohol. <laughs> right. They used they to long ago. Sure. Oh yeah, during prohibition, it was yeah. big. Go to Walgreens, get some alcohol, medical uh. alcohol. <laughs> They really did. Uh-huh. That's why Walgreens is still around. Like they uh-huh. boomed during the prohibition because they mm. sold alcohol. I didn't know that. Yeah. Nice. They 100% I teach you something, you teach me. We're Nailed all here it. to learn and grow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that era. It's an interesting era because people were crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, not a lot of not a lot of decisions were based on medical facts or scientific Are facts. We still, we're still learning. We're still doing that. Like that was over 100 years ago. We're back we're, to doing that. We still have Cycles. prohibitions. Cycles. Oh, yeah, your beliefs. Yes. Those are what should guide your choices. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, of yeah, facts. a lot of our drug prohibitions came back in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Like before that, everything was legal. Like you could just go down to the chemist to get what you need. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They sold, uh, 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 I guess, the equivalent of what uh, morphine would be. Morphine and, and they, cocaine. They sold everything. Uh, cocaine. Yeah. yeah. Freud apparently had a pretty big habit. Oh, yeah. A cocaine so. habit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did. I wonder what was going on with him. He had some really <laughs> wacky ideas. Oh, yeah. Hi- highly was... intelligent people are definitely more susceptible to the drugs like that. Definitely. Because it's a stimulant. Mm. It makes you go, I'm the god. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to picture Freud on meth right now. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Be all like, <laughs> He's like, you have so much penis envy right now. <laughs> <laughs> we should build a bridge for no reason. <laughs> Right. That's great. A little off the rails there. Yeah, that's okay. So any final things you well, want to so, yeah, ask about? Yeah, I had one. You did, didn't I you? I did. Did you lose it? <laughs> I did. Where was it? G-spot. Oh. Is the G-spot a real thing? And what is it physiologically? If it, Like some people mm-hmm. say it's there. Some people are like, eh. 
You're exactly right, Josh. Some people say it's there. Some people say it's not there. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, uh, initially, it was like, oh, women have one. And then it's like, well, maybe it's on the anterior wall. Maybe it's on the back wall. Maybe it's to the six, maybe, I mean, the three, maybe it's to the nine. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, well, maybe not all women have it. Uh, so some women apparently do have a special spot of sensitivity within deep within the vagina, usually on the anterior wall. What they surmise is that it is uh, what would have been a male prostate. Mm -hmm. Had you know, we all start out female and then we morph into male, female, or we become intersexed. Mm -hmm. Uh, so no one actually knows, and the research isn't even that good about whether women who gush uh, at orgasm, they might emit some kind of liquid, and so it's been analyzed. It's not exactly urine, but maybe it is urine or urine-type mm -hmm. base. Or The science is not Yeah, really it's kind of shaky on mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's kind of shaky. With so, the whole squirting thing. So here's the message. The message is don't make it work. If it feels good, do it. Right. And if it doesn't feel good, there's nothing wrong with you. Do something else. Right. Yeah. Instead of some prescription that you're supposed to, you know, uh, clean out her ears with your tongue, you know, right. to provide stimulation <laughs> there. Every woman wants it. It or, depends. Uh, Some well, people, I, I feel it, it's so, like a wet willy to yeah, me. So, <laughs> no, she doesn't like you know, it. Ask, ask questions, <laughs> experiment, and what's yeah. good is good. And, you know, I, I focused a little bit more on uh, female pleasure today. Sure. I think because uh, it's probably, there are more women out there in your listening audience that really have gotten a bigger dose of the thou shalt nots and mm -hmm. the way things should be. Mm -hmm. And so, and have had less experience with their own pleasure, perhaps. So yeah. maybe I'm a little leaning in that direction today in my talk. So you'll forgive me, guys. There's going to be plenty of time for you. <laughs> there will be. Speaking of guys, so what are the major treatments for something like uh, ED? Or what are the, what are guys coming for? Dysfunction mm -hmm. or premature uh, have, ejaculation. Yeah, mm -hmm. premature ejaculation. Or low desire yes. sometimes. Also with premature ejaculation, like why, why are guys different when it comes to that? Why can some guys pop after a minute mm -hmm. and other guys will go for 40 minutes like well again there's not good research on that but i think uh th there's some uh, theory that we're wired in certain ways mm -hmm. uh and men who pop off quickly would be more likely to impregnate more women and that would be a species survival it's an adaptation mechanism yeah, yeah. uh Men can learn to delay, but mm -hmm. uh, some men are literally wired like racehorses. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, their whole nervous system is wired in that way. Sometimes yeah. it's anxiety. Uh, sometimes it's fear of losing ejacul uh, losing their erection that causes yeah. them to ejaculate quickly. Oh, interesting. Because their, re their real problem is ED concerns. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's a difference in wiring, sort of like personality. Some people are adventurers, and they're going to be the ones that hear a roar, go out of the cave, and get eaten. <laughs> and then there's, <laughs> then there's the people I'm one there. of those types, actually, of very adventurous. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, I jumped off the 20-foot yeah. clip. I'm like, don't think, just jump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're not going to survive, but they will you know, they will bring us back data, like don't jump off a cliff, you know, mm -hmm. without water. There was below. water below. Okay. <laughs> okay, I lived. Good. No, she didn't jump off a 30-foot <laughs> cliff onto the ground. So I think it's just a variation. Yeah. Uh, that's all. Yeah. And so what are your, what do you, do you treat that? Yes. And Sensate Focus is the uh, medium through which all 
of these sexual dysfunctions for both men and women are addressed, even though yeah. there may be add-ons, mm -hmm. like for men with rapid ejaculation learning to delay when they're by themselves first mm -hmm. uh, through a method of relaxation, a stop-start method, and use of a breath. Uh, so they'll start masturbating, but then the, before they get close to orgasm, they'll, they'll pull stop. back. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they have they learn to tune in because mm -hmm. men have very often who have rapid ejaculation try to stop themselves from ejaculating by doing things like, oh, imagining a beheading or something. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> well, then that, then that just makes them get horny every time they see Game uh, of Thrones. Well, <laughs> the more common one I hear is baseball, though, or okay. their grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Think about your grandpa. Think about Jesus. And then what happens is they ejaculate while thinking about grandpa. Uh, it doesn't cause him to delay, so it's about tuning now in. Now they just have a weird thing. <laughs> Weird thing with grandpa going on now. <laughs> or they're really turned on by trees now. <laughs> it just depends on whatever Jeez. they used. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, oh, you could be inventing a problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, sensate focus it would be used also with uh, men with erectile dysfunction, mm -hmm. uh, teaching them how to tune in and relax and not be concerned about whether there's an erection and discovering that <gasps> when you're not looking... Okay. Yeah. When you're just being in the moment, touching and being touched and focusing on whatever there is, sometimes there is. Yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. it okay. becomes aroused. Yeah. And, you know, there's another bus around the corner. If it goes away mm -hmm. and you get back to sensate focus, it comes back. Right. So you don't worry about losing it if you know how to get it back. So it's a lot about not freaking out. Yes. Yeah. Anxiety. Don't, don't try to punch it till it's back. Anxiety. <laughs> right. Or pressure it. Like, what are you doing? Uh -huh. Come on, Timothy. Work with me. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't right. work. Not does he does work. not respond to pressure no, like that. No. Never yell at your penis. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he's been a very bad boy. <laughs> bad. Well, and so, I mean, going through like themes here, it's a lot of taking the pressure off. It's getting mm -hmm. a lot of getting into, getting out of your head, that like overthinking head and right. getting into your senses. And it's like, relax, mm -hmm. have fun. Yes. Yeah. Don't even have fun. Just relax. But you can't just relax. Do this in order to help you relax. That's basically cool. it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So mm -hmm. another plug for my book, yeah. Sensate Focus in, sense, uh, in Sex Therapy. Uh, Constance Avery Clark and myself, uh, my colleague, my friend, and we put on workshops and presentations together, uh, and we'll be hopefully writing some more. So Sounds thanks good. to her, this project actually came to fruition. That's great. Excellent. And then, Looks of awesome. course, uh, if you, well, did you want, are you still doing private practice? Did you want yes. to put your website out there for them? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. The website is uh, www.isrtt.org. Isrtt.org. Okay. Sounds and of good. course, if you want to find me, I'm Angela Skirtu. It's www.therapistinsaintlouis.com. And I also have a book out, Helping Couples Overcome Infidelity. Yay. Yay. Yes. Books are awesome. Because <laughs> that's sexy. Right. Reading about infidelity. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not. <laughs> Maybe not the reading about it. <laughs> so this has been the About Sex Podcast, and we've been talking with Linda Weiner. Mm -hmm. uh, be sure to add us on Facebook, review us on iTunes, and send us your questions to aboutsexpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Joshua Skirtu. And I'm Angela Skirtu. Stay, Stay kinky, kinky, St. Louis. Louis.